What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. And I have a quick little announcement before we begin. So normally I record four segments every episode, but for this week, I'm only going to be recording three segments because I have to study for a very important exam this Thursday. But after this week, we should be back on schedule Recording the podcast in its normal format of four or more segments. So on this episode, I'm going to be talking about what's next for Manny Diaz with the Miami Hurricanes, the problem with Alabama, and lastly, are the Cincinnati Bearcats a legitimate playoff contender? Now, if you are a first-time listener of the podcast, welcome. Make sure that you follow me on my social media pages. My Instagram and Twitter is both at JT Sports underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JT Sports underscore. And lastly, make sure that you subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. Now, Miami was defeated by Michigan State. 38 to 17. Now, I was not surprised with the outcome of this game. I saw this coming dating all the way back to last week. I said that Michigan State was probably going to have a really good day on the ground and that head coach Mel Tucker probably was going to have his team more prepared than Manny Diaz. And I was right about all three of those things, Michigan State won, Mel Tucker's team was more prepared, and on top of that, Michigan State had a really good day on the ground. The Miami Hurricanes defense allowed 193 rushing yards, and with that loss, a lot of the Hurricanes fan base was really mad, really upset, and everybody has been calling for Manny Diaz's job, and I don't blame them. But I'm going to be real with you guys. I don't think Manny Diaz is going to get fired if he's able to lead this program to seven wins or more this year. If Miami wins seven or eight games, I don't think Manny Diaz is going to go anywhere. And I'm not a Manny Diaz defender like a lot of you guys try to make me out to be. I'm just somebody who looks at this team and the state of this program from an unbiased standpoint, okay? Even though I am a diehard Hurricanes fan till I die, I always try to look at situations realistically. And being realistic, if Manny Diaz can win seven or eight games this year I think he's going to keep his job because a lot of you guys have to understand your expectations are way different from you know the AD's expectations for this team a lot of you guys feel like it's ACC championship or Manny Diaz gets fired but the AD for Miami probably feels a lot differently okay he's probably content with winning seven or eight games you got to remember this is the same you know um ad that didn't want to get rid of mark rick mark rick had to step down now there's different stories about what went on a lot of people say mark rick was forced to step down but we we really don't know what really went down with the situation because we weren't there so we can just speculate and i don't really want to speculate too much into the situation but we're just being honest if the hurricanes win seven or eight games I doubt that Manny Diaz is going anywhere, okay? Now, if you guys were the athletic director, you guys probably will get rid of Manny Diaz. As a matter of fact, Manny Diaz probably will be gone at this moment. But if we're being honest, I doubt that Manny Diaz goes anywhere if Miami's able to win seven or eight games. Now, six games... 
okay, then we have a legitimate conversation that can actually be made. But I really feel like at this point, unless, you know, things really hit the fan and things turn out really bad and Miami wins, you know, six games or less, then I think that, you know, that's a legitimate chance that Manny Diaz can get fired. But being realistic, I don't think Manny Diaz is going to go anywhere. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't fire Manny Diaz. All I'm saying is, you know, based on what this program has done in the past, I think the athletic director won't fire Manny Diaz if he can lead this team to seven or eight wins this year. But if Manny Diaz does, you know, end up being placed on the hot seat, like he currently is right now, according to the fan base, okay, what's next for him? Well, what's next for him is simply play the rest of the season, okay? You have a cakewalk game or should at least be a cakewalk game. Then you enter conference play against Virginia. Then you have to play UNC. And a lot of people are trying to define Manny Diaz and this Hurricanes team based on what they do in conference play. And a lot of people have said, we're not judging Manny Diaz based on his out-of-conference performance. We're basing him based on what he's able to do against the rest of the ACC. Now, you know, I can understand that logic, but at the same time, I used to be one of those thinkers, but my thinking kind of changed last week before they played Michigan State because Michigan State is a program that's on the come up. You know, Mel Tucker has that program heading in the right direction, and their turnaround hasn't really taken all that long. Meanwhile, for Miami, we have to wait, you know, three, four, damn near a decade for us to finally start, you know, know being relevant again in college football you know so I really felt like last week was a game that Manny Diaz kind of needed to win to kind of you know show that the program still is trending forward in a pro and you know a good direction and you know things didn't really go that way so now you know you have a cakewalk game which you should when you should go two and two then you're going to enter in conference play which is very important because now this is the meat and potatoes of what's ultimately going to make or break this team and what's going to make or break Manny Diaz okay because Virginia is a very tough game they're a very solid team and they're really well coached then you have UNC that's pretty much the game of the year for the ACC Coastal that's a game that a lot of people feel like is going to decide who's going to end up winning the conference and most likely facing Clemson and this year's ACC conference championship game. So that is a really big game that the Miami Hurricanes and Manny Diaz must win because imagine what's going to happen if Manny Diaz ends up losing to Virginia and then loses to UNC. Things are going to look really ugly. But let's let's throw out some hypotheticals, okay? So let's say things really do hit the fan and Manny Diaz gets fired, okay? Who are you going to bring in to replace him? I've seen I keep seeing a lot of people say Mario Christian Ball. Please get it out your damn head that Mario Christian Ball is ever going to come to Miami. He's never leaving Oregon. A lot of people try to use the whole checkbook argument. Miami does not have enough money to get into a bidding war with Oregon. Do you know who ends up supplying Oregon for their uniforms and their athletic facility? You know, he's one of the richest men in the world who, you know, happens to be a very notable alumni for Oregon. So I promise you that anything 
anything Miami can offer Oregon, Oregon can match it and then some, okay? So I really extremely doubt that Mario Christmas is going to leave a program that is essentially a national championship contender and downgrade to Miami. There's really no benefits from Mario Christian Ball leaving Oregon at all, so I don't really understand why so many people think that's a realistic possibility, okay? I know a lot of you guys can be like, damn, JT, we can't dream. I mean, you can dream, but you have to be tapped in with reality, people, and the reality of the situation is I doubt that Miami's going to be able to get Mario Christian Ball. I also strongly doubt that Miami could get a loot fickle from Cincinnati because, first of all, Cincinnati right now is a better program than Miami. On top of that, you look at the fact that they're going to be joining the Big 12 Conference. That's going to be an added bonus. So I extremely doubt that Lou Fickle is going to leave Cincinnati and come to Miami. So let's talk about some realistic head coaching candidates who could possibly replace Manny Diaz as head coach if he gets fired. I really like Bob Stoops a lot. If you're able to get him out of retirement, a lot of people are also going to say Chris Peterson. Remember him? He was really good when he was a head coach of Boise State when they had Kellen Moore. He was really good during his time in Washington. Okay, but if you can't get any of those guys out of retirement, who's next on the list? Well, you have Billy Napier for Louisiana, who is a really good G5 coach. But if you don't want to take the G5 route, okay, then maybe you can look at a Marcus Freeman, who currently is the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame. He is not only a really good D coordinator, even though Notre Dame's defense has kind of struggled over the last couple of weeks, he's really good on that side of football. He's a really great recruiter. You also have the head coach at UAB. And for a lot of people who don't know who the head coach UAB is, um, he was the same guy. Remember when the UAB football program ended up getting, you know, disbanded and then they ended up coming back? Well, he's had a lot of success at UAB. And if he can have success at UAB with the state of that program was in, I'm pretty sure he can win at Miami. Then a guy who I really like a lot, who I want to see personally come to Miami would be the current head coach of Liberty. Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze won at Ole Miss before. He had a lot of success against Nick Saban, Alabama. You know, there was a lot of things that went off that program. You know, it wasn't, you know, the best ran program when it came to an integrity standpoint. But if he can come back and learn from those lessons, I think he would be a phenomenal fit in Miami. I also think Rex Ryan possibly could be a solid candidate because I kind of like his personality. I think his personality will fit really well in in Miami, but you know, we're just throwing out hypotheticals. I honestly feel like Manny Diaz is going to be able to get this team to seven, eight wins, and I think he keeps his job because I honestly think the AD. You know, his expectations aren't really all that high for the football program, and neither are mine. So, like, I really, I, I really expected this Hurricanes team to win nine to ten games this year. And that wasn't me having unrealistic expectations. You know, that was just me looking at the team, and I still feel like this is the most talented team that Miami has put on the field in a very long time. You know, you have a lot of veterans on the back end of the defense. There's a lot of talent on the offense. You know, this is the most talented talented Hurricanes team that we've had in a while and it hasn't performed like that and the reason for that is because of coaching 
So for me, we I doubt that Manny Diaz is going to go anywhere. I honestly feel like he's going to be able to win seven, eight games and be able to keep his job. And I know that's something a lot of you Hurricanes fans don't want to hear. But a lot of you guys keep telling me if he doesn't win the Coastal, he's gone. Like, that's that's what you would do. A lot of you guys, I don't really think a lot of you guys are really thinking realistically, okay? Like... Like, it's easy to say what you would do if you was in the 80s shoes or whatnot, but all we can really do is speculate. But if we're really being realistic with this process here, I really think that Manny Diaz would keep his job if he's able to win seven, eight games this year, which I believe that he can. So... That's just my thoughts on Manny Diaz's future with Miami. I don't really think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to be able to pull off some wins here, get Miami into a respectable bowl game, and then we'll see what happens next year. But I honestly feel like this program right now is a program that's around eight wins, and a lot of people are probably going to disagree with me, but that's honestly how I feel about it. You know, of course, this year I feel like Miami should be able to rise above it because every head coach over the last couple of years that has been at Miami he has Pete going into year three and so far Manny Diaz has got worse going into year three so that's definitely a big no-no there and on top of that you know this team doesn't really look all that prepared like I understand what everybody's saying but at the same time you know I'm still being realistic you know and I'm not trying to temper what my expectations are based on what possibly will happen in real life. A lot of people keep saying this cold store, Manny Diaz gets fired. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that Manny Diaz, if he's able to win seven, eight games, he's going to remain the head coach in Miami. And on top of that, you know, Miami, I don't really think they're going to put out the proper money to go ahead and get one of these big name coaches. Even if Lou Fickle was on the market, would they be willing to make him one of the highest paid coaches in college football? I doubt it. You get what I'm saying? So for Miami, how committed are they to this football program? That's the question I want to know because I know a couple of friends that actually have visited Miami and they visited UCF and they told me that UCF has better athletic facilities than Miami does. And that's not the first time I heard that. So, you know, everybody has their opinion about this Manny Diaz situation. I'm not really giving you guys my opinion. I'm just giving you guys how I really feel about this situation from a realistic, unbiased standpoint. I don't think Manny's going to go anywhere because I think that he's going to be able to at least pull seven, eight wins. And, you know, seven, eight wins, you know, a lot of Miami Hurricanes fans are going to look at that as a disappointment, which, you know, Seven, eight wins this year definitely is a giant disappointment. But where the state of this program is, you know, I kind of think that this is a program that's seven, eight wins consistently. You know, every once in a while, you may have a season when you win nine, ten games, make it to a New Year's Six Bowl game. But I keep telling this to a lot of Miami Hurricanes fans, this isn't 2002 this isn't the 80s. This isn't the 90s. You guys can lecture me about, you know, how much the you used to mean having the you on the side of your helmet and things like that. You guys can preach to me all you want to, but at the end of the day, you have to be tapped in with reality. And the reality is that Miami is like a eight, seven win program. You know, even though I do feel like this team should do way better than that this season, simply for the fact that when you look at the vets and the talent on this roster, and even then we have veterans on the team and they don't even play like veterans you still have players blowing coverages missing tackles like this team doesn't really look all that well coach but 
you know, realistically, I doubt we see Manny Diaz go anywhere for the time being. Alabama survived Florida 31-29. to And I was watching this game from the first quarter and then I ended up leaving going to a FAU game. And I pretty much thought that Alabama had a game already won. It was 21-3 at the time I was watching. I turned it off. I went to the game. And then I ended up getting some score updates. Florida started to make things really interesting. At first, I believe it's like 21-9 to or something like that. But I thought that Alabama was going to end up, you know, putting back on the accelerator. But no, it never really quite happened. You know, the game ended up being really competitive. And I was at the stadium trying to watch the game. I was only able to watch the game in bits and pieces because the Wi-Fi at the game is awful. So I had a lot of buffering and things like that. It was really irritating. So I had to get one of my homeboys to send me score updates and things like that while I was trying to watch the game in bits and pieces. But overall, Florida came back and made this a really tight game and if you're a Bama fan you were on edge and my biggest takeaway from this game is that the biggest problem with Alabama and this Florida game was the fact that they got pushed around man like I I can't remember the last time I remember a team coming in there and just imposing their will on Alabama like Alabama got pushed around in my opinion on both sides of the football I felt like their offensive line kind of got pushed around I feel like they got pushed around on the defensive line like Florida was really a man amongst boys and how they attacked this Alabama team and I Alabama only had 91 rushing yards like normally you think about Alabama the first thing you think is you you know Alabama is a physical football team you don't really see a lot of teams push them around the front but Florida did that and remind you that you know a lot of people coming into this game had questions about how Florida's offensive line was going to hold up well their offensive line in my opinion played really good I mean they ran for 258 rushing yards Emory Jones you know his performance through the air wasn't nothing to write home about but what Florida did on the ground they they were absolutely dominant and I think that Florida is a running football team and I told people this a couple of months ago when I was talking about how good I feel Florida's offense would be I said that Florida's pass game is probably going to take a lot of steps back but I feel like the running game is going to take a lot of steps forward as a matter of fact I'm really high on Florida's rushing attack I believe that Florida's going to end up being one of the best running football teams in all of college football when it's all said and done Emory Jones had 80 rushing yards 4.2 yards per attempt in the touchdown. Lee Davis, 10 carries, 96 rushing yards, 9.6 yards per attempt. He had a touchdown. Naquan Wright, 7 carries, 58 rushing yards, 8.3 yards per attempt. You had Damian Pierce, who had two touchdowns on the day. Like, Florida was really pounding the rock. And I know a lot of people were probably surprised because when you think of Florida, you know, you think about a team that's a little bit more finesse. They like to beat you through the air. Remember what Kyle Trask did last year, but this is a different football team in Florida than what it has been the last couple of years like this is a team that is going to ground and pound you and I really hope that Dan Muller continues to run the football because I've been telling people this since you know week one when they defeated FAU I said that Florida's offense is more efficient and it's at its best when they run the football and they 
end up not being too older line on a pass game. I really feel like if Florida State's committed to this running game, they could end up very well playing Alabama again in the SEC championship game because the fact that Alabama got pushed around like this is really surprising and it highlights a bigger problem because Nick Saban was asked, you know, what went wrong during the game and whatnot because Alabama looked like they were going to end up steamrolling Florida and that this game was going to get out of hand really early, but Florida was able to kind of weathered the storm and Nick Saban came out and said that you know this team kind of lost some intensity we didn't play the same way we did in the first half in the first quarter for the whole entire game and that's a big reason why Alabama nearly lost to Florida so when I look at this Alabama team like you know, this definitely is far from a complete football team. Do I still feel like this is the best team in the country? Hell yeah, I do. You know, I still think that if they were to play Georgia right now, I still would favor them to beat Georgia. I still would favor them to beat anybody else in college football because, you know, everybody else this year hasn't really separated themselves from the pack per se. You know, Oklahoma is having their struggles. You know, there's still a lot about this college football season that is yet to be decided. And for Alabama, you know, you get a little tune-up game against Southern Miss this Saturday. Then October, that's where your schedule gets really hectic because your first two games in October, you play Ole Miss and we know what Ole Miss does against Alabama. We know that Ole Miss normally gives Alabama a lot of trouble. Then you got to go on the road to College Station and face Texas A&M, a team that's also very physical that can, you know, cause problems up front. So there's a lot of things for Alabama right now when it comes to how they are in the trenches that have to be sorted out. Now, when you look at the skill position, I'm not really concerned, you know, I feel like cornerback corner played a really good game. The secondary played very well. The wide receivers, Bryce Young played really good. But it really comes down to, you know, what is Alabama going to do from this point on for the rest of the season when it comes to how they match up up front because Florida really bullied Alabama. And when you look at the score, you know, Alabama still pulled off the victory. But I really felt like Florida really was the more dominant football team. And it, it kind of sounds crazy me saying this because you don't really you don't really hear that all that often you don't really hear somebody come out and say oh Alabama got pushed around like you don't really hear that a lot you know like if somebody beats Alabama we don't say oh it's because they were the more physical football team and anything like that normally teams who beat Alabama they do it punishing them you know through the air but Florida did it running the ball down their throat so if Alabama played a team like Georgia that loves to run the football that's really good up front that could cause some problems. And also, Texas A&M is also really good up front. So there's a lot of problems up front that Alabama kind of has to get situated. I wouldn't even call them problems, per se. You know, they're just things that kind of have to be ironed out. There are wrinkles that can be straightened out and things like that. I don't think Alabama is in danger because at the end of the day, you played a really solid Florida team. And maybe we kind of underestimated Florida. Florida was a double-digit underdog going into this game we may not have gave Florida you know the credit that they kind of deserved because you know they had the quarterback situation going on between Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones it looks like that kind of has been figured out because we didn't see we didn't see Anthony Richardson at all so I mean when you look at this Alabama team like I think survive will be the perfect way to describe this game because this game really looked like it was going to be a blowout from the start and then 
Florida came back out of nowhere, made this a really tight game, and Florida pretty much outplayed Alabama for the next three quarters after they were down 21-3. Like, I was really impressed. I really like what I saw out of Todd Grantham's defense. I like how Florida got after it. Even though Bryce Young played fairly well, like... This is a Bama team that, you know, they kind of have some issues that should be ironed out. And they have to get ironed out quick because you play Ole Miss in two weeks. And trust me, Ole Miss is far from a pushover. Even with Texas A&M having a backup quarterback in, they're still not a team you can overlook if you're Alabama. So, interesting to see how those problems with Alabama end up getting fixed as we move through the college football season. We're pretty much going into stage two of this year's college football season in 2021. The last thing I want to touch on, Cincinnati defeated Indiana 38-24. to Now, everybody keeps asking, is Cincinnati a legitimate playoff contender? And I already said before the season, you know, like I feel like Cincinnati can make it into the playoffs, but will they make it in? I still believe that there's a strong possibility that they could. I don't really like talking about the playoffs this early, but you know, this is a really big storyline that a lot of people are following in college football because everybody wants to know, can Cincinnati become the first G5 team to get into the college football playoffs? And if they are, this would be something really big because a lot of people who are pro-expansion believes that the only way a team like a Cincinnati can get in is if they expand the college football playoffs. But if Cincinnati is able to get in, then there's pretty much no reason for expansion because that just shows you that, hey, if you put together the proper schedule and you win the games that you're supposed to win, you can get in. So I look at how Cincinnati performed against Indiana, and you know, like, it was pretty rough, you know, but they still pulled it off. And to me, they're still one of the best football teams in America and the college ranks. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, the great teams are able to find ways to win. Even when they're not having the best game, they're still able to find some way, something that they can lean on to get them the victory. And that's what I saw out of um, Cincinnati when they defeated a pretty good Indiana team on the road. I know Indiana hasn't really looked all that good for the first portion of this season, but I still feel like Indiana is going to be a solid team in the Big Ten this year. But when you look at Desmond Ritter, you know, like, I feel like he had an okay game. He was 20-36, 210 pass yards. He had a touchdown interception. He had a couple of big runs in there, ran for a rushing touchdown. But overall, you know, like, not really the performance I expected out of him. You know, like, Desmond Ritter is supposed to be a superstar. And if Cincinnati is going to run the table and make it into this big dance, he's going to have to play better, okay? Like, I don't feel like this performance that he put on against Indiana is going to be good enough to be the team like Notre Dame. I just feel like with how long Desmond Ritter has been in that Cincinnati program, he should be a little bit more polished. You know, the first half, he got out to a slow start. The second half, he picked things up in the whole Cincinnati team picked things up. They forced a couple of crucial turnovers, but 
They had 11 penalties. They didn't really look all that disciplined. They weren't good on third down. Like, I just would like this team to look a little bit more cohesive. And they didn't really look that good in the first half against Murray State, but they were able to pull themselves together. And that goes to show, you know, how good of a team this is because Cincinnati definitely did not play their best football and they were still able to win this game. So whenever you're able to find a way to win and you're not playing your best football, that goes to show you how talented and how much this team can call if they're a matchup against a really good opponent and in the end was the first test their next test is going to be their biggest test of the year when they face another Dane team that this week has to play a really good physical Wisconsin team then the week after Notre Dame plays Cincinnati have to play Virginia Tech so I mean, I'm really interested in that Notre Dame game. That's one of the biggest games of the year. That's the game that's going to decide, you know, pretty much if Cincinnati has what it takes to be on par with the big boys because Notre Dame is kind of in that conversation, you know, and a lot of people don't want to bring that up. But, you know, Notre Dame has been to the college football playoffs a good amount also under Brian Kelly. So when I look at that game, that's a really big test because I look at Notre Dame as you right now one of the best programs in America. America. So that's a really good test. But this team, Lou Fickle say he wanted to see his team face some adversity. I think there's no better adversity that your team can go through with being down early on the road in a hostile road environment. So when I look at this Cincinnati team, like I really feel like we need to see better play out of Desmond Ritter. Like, Desmond Ritter should be a superstar. And so far, to me, he doesn't really look like a superstar. He just he just looks like a good or above average college football QB. And Cincinnati's going to be able to compete with, you know, the Clemsons, the Ohio States, the Bamas, and the Notre Dames of the world. They're going to need Desmond Ritter to play like he's one of the best QBs in America. Does he have the talent to do that? Yes, he does. But he's just not really all that consistent as I think he should be and on top of that you know they got to be a little bit more disciplined there were a lot of penalties they had 11 penalties last week against Indiana even though they were able to force turnovers this defense still is really outstanding this offense needs to be a little bit more than what it showed me in Indiana but it was a really solid win none to say the less you know I'm really interested in seeing what they do against Notre Dame but for right now I still felt like Indiana Indiana is worth being in the playoff conversation. I do feel like this is a contender. I do feel like this team is really good. They do belong in the top 10, but they're going to get tested against Notre Dame. Do they have the power up front? Okay, and is Desmond Ritter going to be able to step up and make the big plays, man? Because Desmond Ritter, like everybody's just so high on Desmond Ritter. You know, he's a pretty good college QB. You get what I'm saying? But if you're going to be in this conversation for being one of the best teams in college football, trying to win a championship, you got to have a superstar QB, man. Like, I really feel like Desmond Ritter doesn't really thread the needle in that conversation. Like, I feel like he's a good QB, but he's not a superstar quarterback. And Cincinnati needs him to play like a superstar. And he kind of started last year out pretty slow also, but he kind of picked things up near like the middle half of the season he went on a pretty good stretch they need Desmond Ritter to play like how he did to end the season last year in 2020 because right now I haven't really been impressed with his play so 
You guys let me know how you guys feel about Cincinnati. Do you guys feel like this team is a worthy playoff contender? Or do you guys feel like this Cincinnati team is going to fold down the stretch? Let me know in the comment section down below. And this is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you go ahead and leave a five-star review down below. Also, make sure that you share the podcast on your social media platforms with your friends, family, and acquaintances. And I will see you guys shortly with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.